Y'all ready for the word? All right. God is the God of the mountaintops. Amen. And I want you to see this morning, God is also the God of the valleys. Yes? How many of you guys have gone through a valley? A valley. A valley. You know, uh, we're going to see at the end, Psalm 23, that you may walk through a valley of the shadow of death, but it's just a shadow. It's not death. Amen? You know why you can walk through it? He tells us clearly, because I am with you. No shepherd would let a sheep go through a valley without the shepherd first going through the valley. Amen? We're going to see that this morning, that God is always with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Even we had that saying that God is good and he's good all the time, but a lot of people just equate that to when times are good. But I'm telling you, God's even good when you're in that valley because he'll make it work for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you're about to open it up to us, Father. We receive it. Thank you for giving us wisdom and clarity. Thank you, Father, for, for always prospering us underneath your word. Father, we look forward to all that you have for us this morning. Thank you for the people you have assembled here at this appointed time. That Father, they came in one way. They're going to leave out with hope, a confident expectation of good. Because you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's go right into it. We got 1 King 20. I got fixated and started meditating on the word valley. And uh, a couple of Bible stories opened up. Uh, 1 Kings, in, in 1 Kings 20, uh, Israel is, is under attack by the king of Syria. And uh, they greatly outnumber Israel, as, as they always did. All of, all of Israel's armies greatly outnumbered them so that God could show up, right? <laughs> they were like, how did that happen? Because our God, our God is, is with us. And so this is a time where they, they, they came, if you read chapters 1 through 21 before we get to here, basically the backstory is they, the king of Syria was, was sent his army out to, to take care of Israel. And uh, the king and all his, his men were getting drunk in a tent. And, and, and God took care of their army. And they came back and they fled. So, so here they fled again. And now they're getting ready to recoup, and they think they can come back at them. Anybody ever have an enemy come at you more than once? Yeah. So this story, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every story has a meaning. Every story is something we can take from. Amen? He loves you. So this is, the, this is the, where we catch up to the story. So a prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself, take note, and see what you should do. For in the spring of the year, the king of Syria will come up against you. How many of you guys know that when something comes against you, God already knew it? God knew that there was going to be something come up against you. God knew that you were going to walk through a valley at some point in your life. Every single valley you've ever walked through, God knew about it before you did. Amen? That's what I took out of that verse. Um, then the servant of the king of Syria said to him, Their gods are gods of the hills. How many of you guys Do I sound like God? Am I loud? I hear an echo, man. Sounds cool. I'm going to need this sound system in my house. Woman? She ain't out here. She in nursery. But there is a speaker. <laughs> um, how many of you guys know that it's not God's, right? It's God. God, he is the God of the hill. The hill here is mountain, mountain, mountain. When you think of mountaintops in the Bible, you think of those spiritually good times. When you think of valleys, you think of those times where it's not so good, right? 
Everything has meaning. Their God is, are the gods of the hills. Therefore, they are stronger than we are. But if we fight against them in the plain, now in the, New King, in the King James, that's the word valley. And you'll see that in just a second. They're interchangeable. In the valley, surely we will be stronger than they. So their reasoning <laughs> is that God took care of them because they were in the hills, the mountains, good times. But if we can get them in the bad times, their God won't show up. And there's a lot of believers that believe that today. That the reason you're going through something, the reason you're walking through a valley is because of something you've done. And God's going to let you go and figure it out. But God is not like that. He's your father. And he's not like our earthly fathers. He's the father. And he knew we couldn't do it. That's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus walked through that valley of shadow. He didn't walk through the shadow of death. He walked through death. So that we could have life. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Uh, verse 24. So do this thing, dismiss the kings, each from his position, and put captains in their places, and you shall muster an army like the army that you have lost. Horse for horse, chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to their voices and did so. So he, the enemy is going to attack them in the plain. There is the valley, okay? Uh, so it was in the spring of the year, just like God said it was going to be, that Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered, again, mustered and given provisions, and they went against them. Now the children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats, while the Syrians filled the countryside, highly, highly outnumbered, Right? Then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said this, Thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said the Lord is the God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. How many of you guys feel like you have more than just one thing come against you at one time? Yeah, a lot of stuff will come at us. Your enemy doesn't have to be an army coming at you. It could be, it could be health issues. It could be, it could be finances. It could be a coworker, a boss, or whatever, anything coming at you. And I want you to see that that God is going to be there for you. He's already, he already knows what's coming, but he's also already made a way out. Amen. Isn't that good news that you're not in it alone? So God was like, He heard what that cat said. He's. Can you imagine God's probably going, <laughs> I'm just the God of the hills. He's like, Michael, did you hear that? <laughs> we're fixing to go kick some, some we're going we gonna to win this. Right? So, so, uh, so God said, because that guy said that, and because they believe that, I'm about to show up. And, and look, there's a reason why they're outnumbered, and it, and it says that. Because that way, who gets the credit? The Lord does. You shall know that I am the Lord. All right. And they encamped opposite each other for seven days. So it was that on the seventh day, the battle was joined and the children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers of Syrians in one day. One day. 100,000. That's amazing because they were outnumbered. Only God can give somebody that kind of victory. And whatever your enemy is that's coming up against you, trust the Lord. You will not have to fight that battle. The battle is it's his. Amen? 
right, uh, but the rest, they fled to Aphek into the city. Then a wall, a wall, a wall fell on 27,000 of them. Are you guys trying to figure out how big the wall was? 27,000? It wasn't like a domino effect. 27,000. So what does that tell us, man, for today? That just shows you that God's not going to, even after God gives you the victory, how many guys know your enemy will keep coming? But in this case, they still, they, they took off running and God still took care of them. God took care of them. God did all this. God gave them the victory. God gave them the increase. Amen? They didn't have to do anything. God told them what was going to happen, when it was going to happen, told them exactly how to get there and do it, and they just by faith did it. How many of you guys know the Word tells us some stuff today that we can do, stuff that we have power, and, 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 and we don't even utilize a third of it, I would say. Would you agree? In our faith. You will today. Look at this in Proverbs 18, 24. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus will stick close. How many of you guys have friends that when stuff happens, they check out? They're not around anymore. You thought they were your friend, but they check out. We were talking to the youth Wednesday night out here, man. There's times in school uh, where, where you, you have uh, friends that maybe there's a rumor going around, right? And, and so what they do is they leave you because the rumor's going around and the people that started the rumor are popular and therefore you, don't, you lose friends that way. Anybody ever experienced that before? And so you can feel like your, your friends will leave you, but there is a friend who is closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. You know why? He'll never leave you. Never. Even if you mess up, even if you mess up, even if you're the one doing it, he still won't leave you. Because the Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever. Do you think Jesus walks away from you when you're sinning? Think about your Bible. Jesus was attracted to sinners. He didn't walk away from them. He went to them. Amen? That should give you hope. That should give you confidence that even when you mess up, God still loves you. He loves you like nobody else will ever love you. Because when people mess up, even if a family member messes up, you want to put some distance there so you're not associated with them. Jesus associated himself with sinners. You know why? Because he loved them unconditionally. He didn't love them because they weren't sinning. He loved them right where they were. Amen? Aren't you glad that he loves you right where you are? There's another verse in Proverbs. A friend loves at how many times, church? All times, and a brother is born for adversary. But look at that. A friend loves at all times. Jesus loves you. Remember, he's a friend like no other. He loves you at all times. All times. Good mountaintops, valleys, low. He loves you. If it's your own making, he loves you. Amen? He doesn't leave you because of what you do. He never will. People do that all the time. But he won't. Ever. Two mountains and two valleys I want to tell you about. One is in Exodus. Uh, you know, this is Mount Sinai. Check this out, Exodus 31, 18. And when he had made an end of speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. What is that? Ten commandments, right? They're on Mount Sinai. Moses is about to come down from Mount Sinai. He's been up there for a long time. God gave it to him. I love the written with the finger of God. 
Because you remember when the people were going to stone that woman caught in the act of adultery? She was caught in the act, right? They forgot the dude that was with her. Because that's what religion does. Amen? They brought this woman, threw her down in the middle, and, and they say, teacher, the law says this. And what did Jesus do? Anybody remember? He bent down. And the finger of God was writing on the ground. Right? Both times law were mentioned. And, 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 and they're like, you, you, you're telling me the law says? I'm here to tell you I wrote that law. And so let me just tell you this. If you haven't broken one of these laws, pick that rock up and throw it. And one by one, what happened? It won't. By the way, Moses went up the mountain twice. Because the first time he came down, he broke all ten of them in one shot. Right? Threw them down. Moses also bent down twice. Those of you that want to do a deeper Bible study, there's some cool stuff in that. All right, so they came down. Now, the very next chapter, now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that, we shall, go be, that shall go before us. For as, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So they thought he died because he'd been up there so long. Then they rose early the next day, offered burnt offerings, and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. <laughs> and the Lord said to Moses, go get down there for your people are acting a fool. <laughs> They're like, man, people are crazy down there. Moses, you better go, go, right? So he went, uh, and then and you know what happened? Uh, they made that golden calf. They broke the very first commandment. They broke that. They made that golden calf. And, and Moses, God told Moses, have Levi go out there and kill them, right? Those guys that stay with that calf, that stand over there, if they don't stand over here. And, and look at this. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. So when Moses came down the mountain of Sinai, which is known as the law, right? Moses came down the mountain, and he killed the sinner, and he took care of the sin. Uh, he cast them both out. Right? Death. That's what the law does. The law is the ministry of death. And that's what Moses did when he came down the mountain into the valley. Right? But Jesus, check the difference out. Jesus. Now this is Luke 9. Now it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that, that he took Peter, John, and James and went up to the mountaintop to pray. The Mount of Transfiguration. Right? So by the way, when Moses went up the mountain, he also took three people. He took Aaron and his two brothers. But Jesus has taken Peter john and james in the origin in the original is peter james and john are you with me why is that important the names mean something peter is stone right john or james is to supplant to replace he replaced his brother james and john is the grace of god so what you have is the law has been replaced by the grace of god Right? Amen? And, and what does grace do? Let me show you. Grace does some amazing things. Uh, went down to the mountain to pray. And, and as he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses and Elijah. Now, that's, that's Moses, the first five books of the Bible, right? The Pentecost. You ask any Israelite 
about the Pentecost, they're talking about Moses. They call it Moses, the law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. Elijah represents all the prophets. So the whole Old Testament right there, that's Moses and Elijah represent the whole Old Covenant. They're standing on the mountain with the New Covenant. Jesus, right? So, so they're on the mountain who appeared in glory and spoke of, of his decease, which he was about to accomplish. I love that he was about to accomplish his decease. Isn't that amazing? Right? But Peter and those with him were very heavy with sleep. And when they f- were fully awake, they saw his glory and two men who stood with him. Um, so, so Peter recognized who they were. Right? He knew that there was something going on d- deeper on that mountain. And then you go to verse uh, 37. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain. Say down. Down into the valley. What happened? That a great multitude met him there. And there was a man who had a son who had leprosy. Right? A man who had a son who had leprosy. And this is what happened. Jesus goes to him and goes, you guys got to have more faith in me. And he says this at the end of the story. And as, as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. So when Jesus came down from the Mount of Grace... He took care of the sin problem, but he loved the sinner. When, Mount, when, when Moses came down, he threw out the sinner and the sin at the same time because that's what law does. Law says you can't. You, you don't qualify. You can't stand here. And if you try to get to God by keeping the law, that's where you stand. But if you, if you come to God through Jesus Christ, you're over here on this mountain. And when Jesus comes down, he casts out the sin. He deals with the sin problem. He doesn't cover it up. That covers it up. Jesus doesn't cover it up. He paid for it. And he gives you life. You know why? Because he loves sinners. You can't get right, church. It drives me nuts when people say, I got to get right. <laughs> Good luck. I've been trying to get right my whole life until I realized Jesus already made me right. Because the Bible says I am the righteousness of God. I don't look at my failures of me not being right. I look to him for my righteousness. I, I can't do it on my own. Can you? Nope. We can't. All right. Another Another valley. There's a couple of examples I want to show you. Now, this is uh, King Jehoshaphat. I just like this one because his name is Jehoshaphat. I like to say it, call him J-Fat. There's a reason why I don't, God didn't give me the gift of singing. Because I would leave worship like a backstreet boy. I'd have like fans blowing on me and stuff, you know. I was thinking that when Dwayne was singing. Is that bad that I was thinking that when Dwayne was singing? <laughs> it is. I got issues. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> Why did I even say that, honestly? All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get back. All right. So, Jeho- oh, Jehoshaphat. I just like the name. Jehoshaphat. J-Fat. All right. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with him besides the Amorites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. He is the king right now of Israel, right? And then some came and told Jehoshaphat saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. Syria again. Today, Syria is still attacking uh, Jerusalem, Israel. It's, unbel- it's never changed, right? And they are in Hazazon, whatever, Tamar, which is in, in, in Gedi. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, right? 
So three armies were coming against this. You guys remember this story? Some of you guys remember this story? Three armies were coming against them. Again, outnumbered by the enemy. Outnumbered by the enemy. What do you do when the enemy surrounds you in a valley? Because they were surrounded and they were freaking out going, Jehoshaphat, what happened? We could have taken them out a long time ago, but God told us not to. And now they're coming back at us. Like, God, why? You'll see why. God always has a plan to prosper you in place. Amen? All right, so drop down. Uh, they, God, God had a, a, a prophet rise up, and he, said, and he said, listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jeho- Japhat, thus says the Lot. Right, that's how I would have done it if he'd have chose me to be a prophet. Thus says the Lot. Uh, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. If you're going through a valley, a battle, this is for you. Do not be afraid, right? Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You go through a valley, that's what you say. You don't say, God, how am I going to get through it? You don't, you don't say, you don't try to figure out how you're going to get through it. You put your hand on that enemy and you say, listen to me, debt is an enemy, church. Debt is an enemy. It binds you. We know that. Anybody else know that? Yeah. Health problems, an enemy. Because God wants you to prosper in your health. He, Jesus paid for it. Death is an enemy. But let me tell you something. When your enemy comes against you, do not be afraid. Because you say to that enemy, hey, the, the battle is God's. This yours, God. This is yours. And call him Father, because that's how we can address him now. This is old covenant. Say, say Father, this is yours. Take care of it. How many of you guys have kids that if somebody, enemy came against your kid, you would just say, hey, take care of it. I'll be right here if you need me. That's how we think God is sometimes. When God is not like that, God will go and stand between you and the enemy and take care of them. By the way, the enemy is defeated. Satan's defeated. Satan's just a loud mouth with no teeth. Basically me in 20 years. I'm like, babe, can I get dentures? She goes, no. Because I remember my dad putting them in the glass. You never wanted to use that, that toothbrush, you know, and stuff. Why did I say that? I'm sorry, church. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I just, sometimes I say what. All right. <laughs> the battle is not yours, but God. Tomorrow, go down against them. Go down. What does that mean, church? Go into that valley. Go down against them. They will surely come up to the ascent of Ziz and say Ziz. Isn't that cool? All right. Uh, and, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. And then it says in uh, verse 20, you will not need to fight in this battle. That's, that's God's word for us today. Amen. You will not need to fight in this battle. Uh, position, position yourself. What does that mean? That means rest. Your position is rest and prayerful because you're not going to have to fight in this battle. Stand still, church. Stand still. Don't go looking for weapons. (laughs) Amen? Don't go looking for weapons. Uh, uh, And see the salvation of the Lord. Salvation there is Yeshua. Whose name is that? So he's saying position yourself, stand still, and see Jesus. In this battle. That's literally what it's saying. 
Why? Who is with you? He's with you always. Uh, oh, Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them. Did I back up? Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. And when, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army. That's godly wisdom. When you're preparing for a big battle and you got the choir boys over there and the king goes, yo, choir boys, you're leading this charge. They're like, whoa, bro, we ain't leading this charge. We just the singers. You need to send out like the, the Navy SEAL type people first before you send out the band, <laughs> right? <laughs> that would be the equivalent of going to a football game on Friday night and watching the band play football and the football players playing the instruments, right? God, you're like, that's out of whack. But God's got a plan. So God told him to send the choir out there first. Can you imagine being in that choir? Put yourself in their position. You're over there practicing the flute. Is that how a flute sounds? And, and no, you get the point. And then, uh, and then the, the king says, yo, y'all going to go out first. They're like, man, nope, not going to happen. But they did. And what did they do? They went out first before the soldiers. They went out singing. What were they singing? They were singing the beauty of his holiness. And, and then look at this. Praise the Lord. This is what they literally said. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Those are fighting words right there. When you praise the Lord... When the enemy's coming against you and you, and you got finance, you got bills coming in, you got, you got people talking about you, whatever it is, when that happens and that enemy's coming at you, what should you do? Sing. Praise to the Lord. Thank you. The word uh, mercy there is grace. Thank you for your favor that's on me. Thank you for your favor. And it doesn't go away. It endures for how long, church? You start singing that, and all of a sudden you feel your faith coming back. And when your faith comes back, can't nothing get in your head. This is for me too, by the way. All right. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Zir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Literally, they turned on each other. And I used to think it's because they couldn't sing. They were like, man, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> I can't listen to this anymore. Anybody been in a church with somebody? You're like, babe, we got to move from here. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I was that guy singing, right? Nobody else am I thinking about. But I thought it was cool that God took the singers and all they did was praise. So in the midst of your praise coming out of your mouth, God took care of the enemies. Because your focus was on him and his grace and not on your enemy. Don't get focused on your enemy that you forget that the battle's over. Amen? All right. All right. We're cool. Oh, so here it is. It's not the trial. I believe this is on your, I wanted you guys to see this, and I believe it's on the back. It's not the trial that makes you stronger. It's our response to the trial that makes us stronger. People say, man, God's allowing you to go through this for a reason. He's going to make you stronger. If that were true, every Christian would be stronger. Wouldn't you agree? Because we all go through trials. It's not true. What is true is how you respond that makes you stronger. So when you respond by faith, because Satan, I put this in here, the enemy wants you to respond doubting God's love. Like God's not going to be with you through this valley. God's not going to be here. This is your fault. You're going to have to deal with it. He might make you stronger. He might teach you patience and all that stuff. But you got to go alone here, baby. I got you. And he gets you to doubt God's love for you. 
So here's a verse that you need to put in your back pocket when that happens. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Why? Because you love God? No, through him who loved us. It's about his love, not your love. So Satan, the enemy, will get in your head and try to make you doubt God's love for you. When the Bible clearly says that we conquer everything because of his love for us. Amen? Don't, don't have a lack of faith where you're looking at your enemy, whatever it is again. You guys know what it is. You're looking at it. You feel like the pressure's on you. You're stressed. You're stressed so much to the point where you feel like you're going to break. I haven't been there in a while. I mean, but when I was younger and I was going through some stuff and, and, and I thought that I was all by myself. Just dependent upon drugs and alcohol. You think that way, don't you? You, you just get so in a dark place that you feel like there's no hope. That's a valley. That's our true valley. But God is also, he doesn't, a valley is a valley to God. You can just have a decision that you need to make. You can have a great life, but there's that one decision that's weighing on you. That's a valley. Same thing applies, man. He still loves you. You're more than conqueror of that valley. That enemy that's in that valley meeting you there. All right. Now, check this out. This is the end of that story. God calls them all to die. Check this out. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. An abundance of valuables and precious jewelry which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. Why would God put that in the Bible? Why would God put that in the Bible? It goes against that whole prosperity thing. That God's not a God of prosperity. Why would he do that? He gave them the victory. He didn't just give them the victory. He, he, what did he do? Yeah. Uh, no, it, he, he prospered them spiritually. Um, nope. Precious jewelry, right? Abundance of valuables. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka. Say Baraka. Valley of Baraka. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Baraka until this day. Take one guess of what Baraka means. Blessings. <laughs> It was their battle where they thought there was no hope. God turned it around and made it a valley of blessing. Prospered them in all things. Amen? And just spiritually. God will get you through a trial so you'll be spiritually stronger. No, you can believe that. And then I'm like, God, give me their spiritual blessings. God is God who blesses us. Amen? Don't make apologies for that. He is a God who blesses. The Valley of Baraka. It's a valley of blessing. One more. Hosea. Anybody remember Hosea? Hosea had a, a wife, but she had a little problem. Anybody know that problem? She was in and out. God told her, told Hosea, I want you to marry this prostitute. Right? And, and the, it's funny in a way, because God was telling him to marry someone who was going to be unfaithful all the time to him. But how many of you guys know that there's a deeper meaning there? That story is all about God and Israel. But it is a real story. But God had a plan for, uh, for Gomer. I wish he had a plan to change her name. But listen, it's not. Her name was Gomer. <laughs> she was a prostitute. 
So how does God get her to come back home? How does God get her to stop doing it? There was even a point in the story where she went out and, and they finally got tired of her and they put her on the slave market. He had to go and buy his own wife back from the slave market. Anybody ever re- read the book Redeeming Love? Isn't that beautiful? I've never read it. My, my wife has read it like five, four, five times. I went to GHS. So that's where y'all go. My wife has read it five times. <laughs> so check this out. When the Lord began to speak uh, by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diablame, uh, and she conceived and bore him a son. She actually uh, did three, had three children in the next couple of verses. But now, if, if this happened in a church today where someone stepped out, what's the first thing the church usually does? You have disqualified yourself. You don't deserve to be in here until you get right, then you can come back. Right? Um... My wife told a story when she came back. She got divorced. I've been divorced, by the way. God loves divorcees. He can still use you in a mighty way. He hates divorce because of what it does to people. But he loves divorcees. Amen? My wife came back and she said that one of the ladies at her church told her that she was an adulteress because she got a divorce. Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear when you come back and you've just been through? Anybody that's ever been through it, it's a hard thing to go through. So that's what church does sometimes, right? You would think that when someone messes up so bad, they give them the law. Moses comes down, takes out the sin and the sinner, right? So how does God tell Hosea? Because Hosea is like, God, I can't do this anymore. She keeps going out, going out, and now I'm going to have to buy my own wife back? He goes, and, and he listens to God, and look how God says he's going to bring her back. Someone who we might disqualify in church, someone whom we might think is doesn't deserve the blessings of God. Look how God gets her back. Therefore, next chapter, therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak what to her church? Comfort, not condemnation, not shame, not guilt. You want somebody to stop sinning where they are, a loved one? You give them comfort. And you love them where they are. No one is ever going to come back to church and do the right thing by you condemning them. That's going to make them run from the church. Because I did that. Anybody else? So God says, I'm going to bring her back by comforting her. And then I will give her vineyards from there. And the valley of a core. Say a core. And the valley of a core as a door of hope. She shall sing there. Remember the battle? She shall sing there as as the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt, meaning bondage. So there's a lot of people that have gone astray from the Lord. There's a lot of people that have fallen short of the glory of God. But instead of condemning them and telling them and pointing to their sin, why don't you point them to their Savior who died for them? Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repent, to change their mind. We've been doing the exact opposite as long as I've been in church, except for here. 
Amen? I've been, on, I've been in deacons meetings. I've been on board meetings where we discuss exiling people because of their sin. You think that's what Christ would want? If you step back from the politics, you're like, that's just stupid. Because we should all be exiled. Sin is sin. But look at that. In the valley of Accor. Say Accor again. In the valley of Accor. It's going to give a door of hope. What in the world does Accor mean? If y'all come back at 10 (laughs) o'clock next Sunday. 10 to 1, you ain't going to find out. <laughs> a core. A core. I just went through puberty last week. A core. Trouble. Disturbance. In the valley, in the valley of your trouble, church, in the valley of your disturbance, he's going to what? He's going to give you a door of hope. God will always give you a way out. And not just a way out. A hope, a confident expectation of good coming your way. So he doesn't just give you a way out and say, this way. He gives you a way out and says, hey, I'm about to bless you beyond measure. You're in this valley. You're not alone. I'm with you. And because I'm with you, I'm giving you a door of hope. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You take your eyes off your sin and you put them on your Savior. And he will get you. I sound like one of the preachers on TV. Good God, he will get you through it. <laughs> I, I got to start running again, boy. It's like exercise up here. But it's good, amen? I want to jump out and like somebody catch me, but I don't trust a dang one of y'all. I'll be missing teeth next week, boy. In your day of trouble, church, he gives you a door of hope. Last verse. Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I don't have the other one up there, but you know what it is, man. Yay, though I walk through. First of all, it starts out with yay. You're like, yay? Yay! Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a shadow, church. Ain't no shadow of a dog ever bit anybody. You like that one, Bob? <laughs> it's a shadow of death. It's not death. And it says, though, you walk through it. It doesn't say you camp out there. You're going to go through it. You're going to walk through it. But you got to know, he says, do not fear. For why, church? Because he is with you. And when you got Jesus with you, man, you can walk through it. You're not by yourself. We're going to go through valleys. You might go through a valley today, but you got to know. You got to, got to, got to know that Jesus is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Take your eyes off your issue and put them on him. And watch. You'll go through it. Jesus, man, we're done, by the way. Jesus, Jesus, uh, you remember when he fed the 5,000? 5,000? He, he was on a mountain, right? And they, and, and, they, and they came down the mountain. They got in a boat because they were going to go to the other side. Jesus went to pray. They got, in that, they got on that, uh, in that lake, the Lake of Gethsemane. They, now think about it. You got a mountain and a mountain. This is a valley. How many of you guys know that lake was a valley? Jesus saw the storm came. The storm came. It was boisterous. It says it came in the darkest part of the night, the fourth uh, part of the night. 
darkest part of the night. So when, when we're in that valley and it feels like it's the darkest time, and, and, and the Bible says they couldn't even see anything, the waves were howling, and Jesus just shows up on the water, walking calmly. They were like, it's a ghost. He's like, good Lord. How long? I have to be with these guys, right? No, and, and, and then Peter comes out, he sinks, he falls, and, and what does Jesus do? Does he condemn them? No, he just says, man, hey, your faith is lacking. Do not fear. Why? I am here. I'm here. And that's the first place our mind needs to go, church. We have to train our mind to get there. Stuff's going to happen. Those phone calls you get that knock you off your feet, that, that the news you see, by the way, take your eyes off of the news. Put it on Jesus. Amen? There's so much separation. And that's what I love about this church. It is a representation, man, to me, of heaven. People from all different backgrounds. Love will conquer all those differences. I'm telling you that. And, you, and Carrie Underwood said love wins, right? And you can't say, Troy, it's Hollywood, you know, heaven is not Hollywood. It's not a song. It's not. Love is the greatest thing you can do for somebody. You know how I know that? The Bible says that. So when you realize you're going through a valley, lift up your head. You don't even have to lift up your head. You know why? Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is the lifter of your head. You get on there, you position yourself, you stand still, you rest. He'll lift your head. He's the lifter of your head. And he will, Why does he lift your head? So that your eyes can meet his and he can say, hey, I got you. Will you stand up with me, guys? We're going to get you out of here. For those that are going to kiss my hand, I'll be down here <laughs> by myself. <laughs> uh, this is how we do it here at church. Uh, you guys know we might not be your typical church, but we love the Lord. Amen? We love Jesus. I love. More importantly, we know he loves us because we're not perfect. He loves us. We celebrate that here. If you want to be a part of this church, that, this is what we believe, whether it's him or me preaching. He can preach and sing. If he's gone and nobody else is here, we're just going to preach. I ain't going to try it. But this is who we are. We'd love for you to be a part of this ministry with us. All we ask is that you fill out this little membership card so that we can have a, a, <laughs> a record of your visit <laughs> that, you wanna, that you want to be a part of this church. It's really fair to another church that we can let them know, hey, they're coming over here. Um, if you do not know who Jesus is, which I can't imagine after sitting through that, that he loves people right where they are. Um, I would love to be able to talk with you afterwards and just pray a prayer with you. Uh, it doesn't take long. We just do what the Bible tells us to do. Pastor Dwayne can do that with you too. Um, and if you have a prayer request, I do want to anoint our children with all this morning. So if you have any, um, students, Teachers, if you would just kind of make your way this way, I will anoint you. You can go back to your seat, and then I will pray. All right? So come on and get it. <laughs> In the name of Jesus. Did I get everybody? All right. Come on, let's join hands. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to just stand together in faith and to uh, come before your throne of grace, Father, to receive mercy. 
and grace in time of need. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can come boldly as your children, as your sons and daughters. God, we thank you for such a time as this, Father, when our children are about to go back into school. Father, we thank you for all of our children. We thank you for all, each student, each educator, each teacher, Father. We just thank you for your blessing. We thank you, Father, for causing them to prosper, Father, in all things. We thank you, Father, for allowing them the opportunity, Father, to grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, Father, but not just uh, that which the world supplies, but Father, may they grow in the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of you, Father, first and foremost. God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that you've given them, Lord, to grow. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity you've given them to be a light in a dark place in this world, Father. We thank you for your call upon each and every one of their lives. I thank you, Father, for the gifts, God, that you've put inside of them, Father. Thank you, Father, for their parents, who for recognizing those gifts, Father, and for cultivating those gifts, Father, they continue to become stronger and get better, Father, at what it is that you are calling them to do. I thank you for the, the future and the hope, God, that they have in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for just going before them and ordering their steps, God, giving them wisdom beyond their years, Father. Again, blessing the work of their hands, Father, whatever they put their hands to do, Father. I ask God that you prosper them, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, Father. May they overcome all the obstacles that come their way, Father. Yes, there will be challenges, Father, but they overcome. They overcome because they are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your awesome grace that is sufficient for every situation and circumstance, Father. May they always remember, God, that you are with them and that you are for them and that it's your desire that they prosper and be in health even as their souls prosper, Father. So I thank you, Lord, for your protection. Thank you, Father, for your angels of protection, Father, uh, to be encamped about them, Father, um, all the rest of the days of this year, the rest of the days of their lives, God. We just thank you for who you are and all that you're going to do in the lives of our children, our educators, and in the school system, Father. Thank you, Father, for blessing uh, our community, Father. Thank you for uh, causing us, Father, to grow together in unity, Father, as a representation, Father, of of, of your church and, and what we're supposed to be here in the earth, Father. I just bless you and thank you, Lord. I thank you for those, Lord, who have been uh, dealing with sickness, Father. I just lift them up to you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. And we speak life, we speak health, we speak healing, Father, and we declare that it is finished in Jesus' name. And so we thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place, we leave with your word in our hearts and in our minds, Father. Thank you for, again, ordering our steps and making our path straight and causing us to be blessed and prosperous. We bless you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are dismissed.